Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Now we bring on our buddy Nick Hamilton. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. I'm your host for this hour. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a great weekend and a great start to the brand new week. A lot to talk about on this episode. Shikari Richardson, confident or cocky or both. We'll get into that as well as we will we will remember, excuse me, the life and times of the icon, the legend himself, Kobe Bryant, as his birthday was yesterday. And today, I should say happy Mamba Day to everybody, 824. Also, we'll get into some NFL talk. We'll get into my Milk Carton Award winner. And, of course, we got the Moments Brunch. Is it truly over for a music legend? We'll get into that and more here on TMA with Nick Hamilton. Now, I had a crazy weekend, let me tell you. First and foremost, and I know producer, engineer extraordinaire, Jake Warner, aka his government name, better known as Big Brother Jake, is probably going to be upset with me because he was upset with me over the weekend because he felt like I, I didn't disclose what I was doing. So I'm going to disclose to you all out there listening what transpired with my weekend, in case you guys care. Some of y'all may not care. Some of you may care, and it's cool. So Friday, of course, obviously this week between going to Rams joint practice with the Raiders where I saw two fights that ended up ended up killing practice and canceling practice where the Raiders would end up going back to the bus because it just got so out of hand. And the Rams were able to run, I think, another eight to ten plays on the side before they concluded their joint practice before facing the Raiders on Saturday. And then uh the Chargers and the Niners it got a little chippy um got a little chippy you know Joey Bosa had to go out there and push people off Derwin James because there were a few players from the 49ers they wanted to kind of get in Derwin James's face so Joey Bosa and I don't think that's a dude you want to run up on especially if you five foot five foot ten with shoes and cleats on I don't think you want to run up on Joey Bosa like that so Joey Bosa was able to calm things down and bring back bring things rather back to normal so that was interesting and then friday obviously there was the 2021 harold pump awards gala and red carpet out here in beverly hills where it's a foundation that that brings awareness for cancer uh cancer research things of that nature so that's that's definitely something that i wanted to go out and support and i've done that for many many years as far as covering but also just making sure that you know we give coverage to a great event because we always talk about you know what's going on in our communities going on in our worlds and cancer is also unfortunately a big part of our worlds a lot of maybe you all out there listening family members that have dealt with cancer hopefully some of your family members have survived and beat it unfortunately there are some members of of you know that suffer from cancer that succumb to the, this this terrible disease so 
it's always great when you can be out be a part of an organization that is full throttle on trying to bring up opportunities for cancer research and trying to you know hopefully one day we can eradicate this disease that continues to plague our society so out there had a chance to talk to people like chris tucker uh stephen a smith from espn michael irvin the playmaker former dallas cowboy nfl network analyst uh got a chance to talk to jb smooth one of the funniest guys out here um every time i talk to jb smooth man the dude has me laughing I mean, you can't really get through a whole interview without laughing that's how funny the guy is if you don't if you haven't got a chance to see him um who else came out there daryl strawberry who looked well um daryl strawberry to me is one of arguably probably one of the best baseball players i've i've been able to witness and i wasn't old enough in the early years of his career when he played with the mets but later on when he played with the yankees and he was here with the dodgers for a period of time back in the 90s um i got a chance to witness daryl strawberry and i'm like dude if he's a, I, I know he wasn't in his prime at that point but he still was a great baseball player david justice for those 94 95 96 atlanta braves teams that were just phenomenal um so it was it was all around it was a good it was a good time you know you got a chance to really watch people uh come in and out um so shout out to the david and dana pump uh who run the foundation um Smokey robinson was there the legend himself um who else was out there? there's a bunch of people out there so just make sure you guys stay tuned check out my instagram check out the youtube channel youtube.com slash nh experience tv uh, we'll have all the interviews posted up this week so you definitely don't want to miss any of those things um then saturday obviously was the rams raider game there were no fights that i saw now here's the here's the interesting part though so there were no fights that I witnessed inside SoFi Stadium, unlike the previous week where we saw the charge, some of a couple of Charger fans and Rams fans get into it. A lady wanted to recreate the malice in the palace when she threw the drink on the dude. But as I'm walking, so my colleague and myself are walking because I'm giving him a ride to his car. So we're walking to where my car is located on the parking lot. I walk up. It's two girls going at it. I mean, this girl is getting mixed and getting tossed like some salad. I mean, she's getting stomped on the ground. She's getting kicked. It's it's going down. So I'm about to pull out my phone because it's about to be a grind face. You know, that's, that's about to be a grind, a grind face moment. And then all of a sudden, this guy runs over and kind of breaks things up, which is good because, honestly, I don't want to see anybody get arrested because if the cops would have come over there going through the parking lot, everybody would have went to jail. And jail is not a place you want to go to at all, period. And you damn sure don't want to go on the weekend. Because you're going to be hemmed up for a few days. So, other than that, Sunday, Chargers, Niners, got a chance to see Trey Lance. Trey Lance is, that's a special, that's a gifted quarterback. I mean, he's got to release, the, he's got to stop holding the ball for so long. But his accuracy, the strength in his arm, he was throwing darts. And it won't be too long. I'm not saying he's going to be the, the week one starter. I, th- I still think Jimmy G is going to be the starter for at least the first three to four weeks. But let me tell you, Trey Lance is nipping at the heels. Trey area, the man already got a nickname. 
I mean, the Bay Area is loving them. I mean, there were it was a, a, a I think there were more Niner fans in SoFi than Charger fans, and they were loving Trey Lance. They were loving Trey Lance, period. And I even had a chance to ask them about that from the Bay to LA. I mean, the fans love Trey Lance. Like he's the truth. When he get when this dude is a rookie and already has a nickname, they love you. They love you. And I'm sure E40 is probably like, he can't wait for, for Trey Lance to get out there because you know E40 is a huge Niners fan. Shout out to E40. Um, so it's just, it was just cool to see <clears throat> to see that. Um, I think that defense, I think the Niners do have a top five defense. And the one thing that, that stood out to me about their defense, especially when the defensive linemen were coming to the podium, they were saying everybody is pushing everybody. It's almost like iron sharpens iron. And of course, everybody's not going to make the squad. There's some that are going to go to the practice squad. There's some that are going to get cut, period. But everybody's pulling for everybody. And I've never heard that in the locker room, especially when it comes to a defense, that every single person is pulling for the next person. Yes, it's competitive, but they're still, they want to see the best out of everybody. That was the first time, at least, that I've heard, that I can recall, that in a locker room, that's what they were doing. And then you wonder why they are top five defense. And at one point, they were the top defense in the league at one point under Kyle Shanahan. So now you understand. It gives you a little bit more insight on why they are who they are. So that was pretty much the gist of my weekend. And then here I am on the horn talking to you all. So that was the gist of my weekend. It was pretty cool. I was tired as hell, though. I'm not going to lie. I'm tired. I can't wait to take some time off. I'm not going to lie. But speaking of time off, it's time for Shakari Richardson to take some time off. The reason why I say that is this. Now, I'm not going to go as far as some commentators that have gone on. I saw two in particular go back and forth on Twitter. I'm not going to mention any names. You guys can go check it out. I'm sure it's all over the, the net. Shakari Richardson. And, and I have a tremendous – I have respect for, for Shakari Richardson. I think she's a talented individual. I think she has been gifted. She has been dealt with some serious blows. As we know about the situation with her, or unfortunately, with her mother, losing her mother. Um, you know, she was unable to participate in the Tokyo Olympics because she was grieving. And the way she grieved, she used marijuana. And they found marijuana in her system, which I thought was just bogus because, hey, the girl wasn't abusing it. You know, she felt she succumbed to. Uh, uh, you know, to, you know, she was emotional and naturally so. I mean, you lost your mother and the way she found out how she lost her mom was tragic in itself because uh, from my understanding, her and her mother were very close. So on Saturday, this past Saturday, I believe it was in Eugene, Oregon, there was a hundred uh, meter race and she finished ninth. Now there's only nine participants in the race and she finished last. Elaine Thompson Hurrah finished first. And she also drew closer to Flo Joe's record of uh, 10.49 in 100 meters uh, with the win. I think uh, Elaine Thompson finished 10.54. Uh, her fellow Jamaican uh, teammate Shelly Ann Frazier Price took second, and then Sharika Jackson finished third. Basically, the Jamaican team said they took the John Cena approach. Remember when John Cena on SmackDown before SummerSlam told Roman Reigns, 
one, two, three. It's all it's going to take for me to beat you. Well, the Jamaica team must have heard John Cena's passionate message because they went to Shakari Richardson and others and said, one, two, three, because they basically swept the 100-meter race. All it takes is one, two, three. And unlike John Cena, the Jamaican team got it done. And they swept. Shikari Richardson came in last. And of course, she was going to catch some backlash. Here's my problem with Shikari Richardson. It's not so much what you say. It's how you say it. And in the moment and when you say it. And I see, I saw a lot of people that said, oh, Shikari Richardson should be humble. I personally think humbleness is overrated because normally when people say humble, they want you to tuck your head down and bow down and be timid. and Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, boss. I'm not with all that. You are who you are. If you lose, absolutely congratulate your, your opponent. If they beat you, you learn from this, from this loss on why you lost, how you lost, and maybe you can figure it out for the next race to say, hey, okay, you know what? I'm going to come back stronger. I'm going to come back better. And you actually do come back stronger and better. And you actually start, you know, start yourself a new winning streak, much how we saw Tiger Woods. When Tiger Woods was dominant, nobody could stop him. Tiger Woods was so dominant, they had to change golf courses because they had to make it more difficult because he was cleaning their clocks. He was dominating the competition like Shaq in the middle in his prime. That's how great Tiger Woods was. And then he fell off, obviously, because of some incidents on a personal level. And then he had some injuries. But then he finally came back to win a major. And Tiger wasn't talking, wasn't popping off at the mommy. Tiger's confident, no question. Tiger's confident. But he doesn't have to be overly boisterous. And that's what I felt Shakari Richardson was. I'm going to read you the quotes and what she said. A lot of you probably saw it already, so I'm going to go over it. I'm going to break it down a little bit. She said, quote, this is one race, she told NBC after the competition. I'm not done. You know what I'm capable of. Count me out if you want to. Talk all the ish you want. I'm not done. I'm the sixth fastest woman in the the game ever. Can't nobody ever take that away from me. Congratulations to the winners, but they're not done seeing me yet, period, end quote. Now, here's the problem I have. First of all, if you're trying to get sponsors, I would suggest you not use profanity when you're doing your your post-race wrap-up. Because corporations don't tend to like that, especially in that kind of sport. Now, maybe baseball, football, you'll talk a little bit. Basketball, you could talk a little bit. It's a little different. They have a little bit more adjustment periods, you know, a little bit more leeway. In these types of these types of arenas, corporations tend to, to, to cringe when you when they hear that type of talk coming out of anybody's mouth, especially people that look like us. So I understand what she says. I'm not done. I had no problem when she says, hey, this is one race. I'm not done. But the first thing that should have come out of her mouth, what she said last, should have been first. Meaning somebody should have proofread her statement before she went and said it. She should have said, congratulations to the winners. That should have been the first thing that you should have said. The second thing you should have said was, hey, this is one race. I'm not done. You know what I'm capable of. 
you know, and then said, but then, but you're not done seeing me yet, period. That's all you should have said. If you would have just said that, I don't think you would have caught a lot of the backlash. Now, people love to hate on other people. People love to see you fall. And there were some people who I was very disappointed in that said what they said and they made it public in what they said that looked like us that to me was not warranted. Now, you can have an opinion. Yes, you shouldn't have talked all that stuff and came in dead last. I understand that. But don't kick a person while they're down either. Because one theory I did come up with and I did say was the fact that we don't know if this young lady is still grieving from the loss of her mother. Now, I'm not condoning what, how she said her statement, but let's also take that into effect as well. People deal with grief in different ways. But if I'm Shikari Richardson, first of all, take some time off, go see a therapist, get you a proper PR team that can help you and that you guys can be a solid team so you can be able to excel not only on the track, but off the track, especially acquiring certain endorsements because you're going to need those endorsements to survive. So Shikari Richardson needs to take a step back, take some time off, regroup, recharge, come back stronger, come back better because I, I think she's far from done. I said she reminds me of Flo Joe in certain ways, and I think she can she can be dominant in this particular sport if she does it the right way and does it the way that needs to be done as far as elevating the sport itself. And I think she could be a great spokesman for the sport. I think she could be a great face for the sport, but she's got to do it in a particular way where it doesn't alienate people. It's nothing wrong having confidence. It's nothing wrong being assured of yourself, but there is something wrong when you start coming out and not backing certain things up that you put out there. That's the problem. All right, y'all, coming up on the other side of the break, we're going to get into some college football talk. And later on, we'll get into a music legend that could be his last ride. Is it? Maybe, maybe not. We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Stay tuned. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowe. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Sirius XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing. You're going to be home today, so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You get that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good thing nobody can see crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home. Privacy of your own home. Watch it on Zoom. <laughs> 
You, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Now, you know, college football is just around the corner. Can't wait to get into it. We finally go, are going to have a full season, fingers crossed, coming up with all four power conferences, and there's going to be some shifts moving forward to help me break all that down and get a preview of what's to come for the 2021 season. I have from sporting news, college football analyst and reporter, insider, the one and only Bill Bender. Bill, what's going on, man? Long time no no hear from. Yeah, it's been a long time, Nick. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we're getting into a new season. There's always a ton of excitement with that going into week zero. I Unfortunately, a lot of the talk this week's been about COVID and forfeits and what happens there. And that is something I'm worried about. I hope you're doing well out there on the West Coast. We're, we're hanging in here in Ohio and just hoping for a clean, fun season. Thank you. Same here. We're all trying to we're keeping our fingers crossed and trying to do what we can as far as health and safety protocols are concerned. Uh, California has actually been really progressive as it pertains to making sure they try to keep everybody healthy, uh, especially with the vaccination rates and things of that nature. So hopefully uh, that will continue where we don't, we can't avoid shutdowns, not just here in California, but across the country as well. Um, you know, when you, when you look at this college football season, obviously coming off of last year where it was kind of a short, a, a shortened season, uh, we, we really didn't get the excitement that we were looking for as we would normally get during the college football season as far as the tailgating and, you know, hyping up the, the, the rivalry weeks and things like that. So what are you most looking forward to this season coming into it? Well, I just think, you know, we get those non-conference matchups back. I mean, right out of the go, you look at week one, we get Miami, Alabama. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that from two brands. Uh, Georgia, Clemson, a top five showdown uh, right out of the go. And even one off the radar like Louisiana playing Texas and and Steve Sarkeesian's opener with the Longhorns, and and that's going to generate something. So when you have five top 25 matchups in the first week, that gets you excited. Uh, the Big Ten has a pair of ranked matchups. The Big Ten, going to the conference opener, you know, three of them are pretty good. I mean, Wisconsin-Penn State should be good. Um, Iowa-Indiana should be fun. And then even Ohio State-Minnesota on the Thursday night game, there's some interest there with C.J. Stroud stepping in at quarterback. The, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me, and you can appreciate this being out there, is you know, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State all replaced their quarterbacks with California kids. And all three of them are very good. Uh, Stroud, Young, Yuangalele. And I'm sure you guys out there look at it like, well, why aren't these guys on the West Coast? Because they're going to be starring for some of the best programs in the country. And I want to talk to I want to get into that since you brought it up. And I'm glad you did. When you look at the obviously the movement between the Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC. Now, I know they're not eligible until 2025, but many people believe they're going to leave much sooner than 2025. What do you what do you believe that's going to happen? What are you hearing that may happen with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC? And how much does that make the SEC a super conference in college football? Oh, it does. And obviously, you know, the power that comes with bringing in two big brands. I know there's talk about them in the alliance with the ACC, Pac-12 and Big Ten as a result. But 
to me, the biggest impact of Oklahoma, Texas joining the SEC is that when you look at the top 20 brands or so in the sport, right now the SEC would have eight of them between Oklahoma, Texas, and I think they will go earlier than 2025. I don't think there's any way you wait that long to join the conference when you join. Um, and then you have Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Georgia. I, I mean, that's, you know, you're looking at seven of the best programs in the country right now, and that's with Tennessee not even fully operational or Texas A&M who's on that fringe. Um it just becomes a mega conference, a billion dollar conference. And if we went to a 12 team playoff, Nick, it, they might get like five playoff teams. And I think that's why we're seeing the alliance between the ACC, Big 12 or Big 10 and uh, Pac-12 as a result, because they have to have something to counter that. When you talk about the alliance, and I know I was reading in the L.A. Times uh, the other day that they were strongly considering we, we, we may know something by even as soon as next week, if they're going what that the, that super alliance is going to detail. But what do you think? Will, what would be the benefit of the Pac-12, the Big Ten and the ACC joining forces, kind of forming like Voltron, as it were, and really coming out and, and, and putting a, a, a mark on college football? Do you think that's going to be beneficial? Well, I mean, if these are the baby steps to the super conference model, which I kind of think it is, it, it would be advantageous for the ACC, Big Ten and Pac-12 to start working together. I know when there was this first notion that the SEC may add more teams, I thought, well, if the Big Ten does add the Pac-12 teams, you know, the brands that they would want, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Stanford, you would have a coast-to-coast -coast league that would resemble the NFL. You would have a unified, you know, they're really big on academics, and that's something that both the Big Ten and the Pac-12 stress. When you have that many AAR universities between the two, I think that's a factor to consider. And, and to me, again, it, it just feels like the baby steps of, you know, if we end up with three or four super conferences, that's what the sport's going to become. It leaves the Big 12 a little high and dry, obviously. But, you know, some of those schools may flirt with the Pac-12 over the next couple of years. How much does this, does this put pressure on Notre Dame to join the conference finally? Or does it put pressure on them? Well, Nick, when, when they expanded the playoff and had the teleconference about the first you know, here's the 12-team playoff. And Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director, was on there saying, you know, we're okay with not getting that first-round bye. I was stunned because, you know, mm. twice in the four-team era, they've been good enough to get into the four-team playoff and, and do the things necessary to get there. They've gone undefeated twice or three times in the regular season since the BCS era. And for, for a brand like Notre Dame to concede that was stunning to me. So I think if we do go to 12, if the super conferences happen, they're going to have a tough choice. They can either cling to their independence, remain this monster, you know, with all of the uh, money they get off the NBC contract, or they can get serious about winning a national championship and try to join the ACC and go from there. You talk about forming these super conferences. Many, a few believe that this may lead to the demise of the NCAA and then these conferences pretty much forming themselves as far as like you said with the nfl having the afc and the nfc uh do you see something like that happening in the next maybe 10 12 years uh as these conferences are starting to form well i don't know what where the ncaa's authority begins and ends right now i mean we're in the nil era and that's a lot of that's just kind of gone you know they're not every state has nil legislations but we're seeing something new every day i think it's a good thing don't get me wrong that uh student athletes are benefiting off their likeness no matter how small or big the deal is right now 
Um, but the NCA has done little to govern that. The NCA has done little to, you know, these big picture moves. They're 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 kind of absentee with all of that. And, and with all the money and the TV money that's at stake, it'll be interesting to see what the NCA's rule in all of this is because the more power given to the conferences and these big schools, the less they're going to factor what the NCAA wants. And again, head toward this notion of an NFL light where you would have maybe the 30 or 40 biggest brands in the sport playing some, I, I don't follow soccer very closely, but there's some legs to this idea that, that college football could become something like, I, I believe it's like the English premier league where they mm-hmm. relegate teams and those kind of things. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I, I'm, I've always been pro athlete as far as them getting monies to pay. Cause I feel like if everybody else gets paid that the presidents, that's, you know, the television networks pay the universities, the coaches are getting paid and getting these enormous shoe deals and apparel deals and things like that. They're living off the blood, sweat and bones of these, these quote unquote student athletes. So why shouldn't these, these athletes get paid as well? So I'm happy to see the NIL rule in effect. Do you think they will regulate the NIL rule at some point? Maybe not right now, but maybe as we, as the state's, you know, certain states continue to adopt it and 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 bring it into fruition. You think maybe three, four, five years from now, you'll start seeing more rules that govern the NIL, so it doesn't get out of hand. And you don't get you know boosters and people kind of violating these rules. Well, no, I, and I think one of the biggest advantages of NIL is the money's going straight to the student athlete from the boosters and in a legal way. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. that can continue where we can. You know, I think it's cool that a guy like. Uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry can get a deal with Alabama right out of the go. Um, Jack's one of the dangers of this is there are some guys that are getting deals before they even take a college snap. You know, I think there'll be a correction in terms of what a good deal is versus a bad deal. You want the compliance departments to be able to protect the student athletes from bad deals. That's something NFL players deal with though. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's something to consider there. Um, and in general, I think it's a good thing. Like I said, one of the things that, that I always get asked is, well, how that how's that going to affect the locker room? And I think one of the things that's opened my eyes with it is there's that's a younger generation that's way more open minded than maybe my generation who, you know, being a 40 year old man. Like it's I don't think it's going to affect the locker room that much at all, because I think kids now are realizing their opportunities, their voice has been heard. And in general, it's a good thing. But to your point, I mean. If those numbers get out of control, you know, in terms of out of like, do we need a college football salary cap? Those kind of things. I don't think it'll happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. You're listening to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145 with my guest, college football insider and reporter Bill Bender from the Sporting News. When you look at I I spoke with the Pac-12 commissioner recently at Pac-12 Media Day, and one of the questions I asked him was, with all the NIL rules in effect as far as, you know, like you said, student athletes taking, you know, uh, advertisement and marketing deals and getting money for their their likeness and what have you, are there going to be classes to teach these young men about taxes, about financial preparation, about financial responsibility? Do you believe that is is also the responsibility of the the commissioners and the schools to educate these student athletes on those issues so they don't get in trouble and end up being broke by the time they are eligible to graduate college? I think it should be required for athletes to take a personal finance, a marketing, a business core as part of their curriculum as a student athlete. Um, 
because of these opportunities, because they can find ways to market themselves. And it's not just about social media. That's another way they can brand and make money that, again, you don't want to be caught in a bad deal. So, yeah, I absolutely think that should be part of what they can do because you don't you hear that term cautionary tale all the time. And with what's going on with NIL, you don't want to see those cautionary tales. I know we mentioned Miami, Alabama earlier. I mean, you look at it on one side, Bryce Young hasn't taken a snap, allegedly making seven figures in NIL deals. Well, good for him. And then on the other end, Derek King um, kind of been the poster child for NIL. He's got a ton of NIL deals um, coming off a serious injury. I think it's great that he's able to benefit from that. But, you know, you kind of wonder, is that their true value when you, know, you can make the case Derek King's making more money right now than he might make in the NFL? And I know that's what this is designed to do. But I think that's going to open some eyes for the NIL deals as they come across. Yeah, I think the you know, I'm glad to see it, but I agree with you. I think that they need to have a requirement of some sort to be able to to, to educate them in that way. Um, getting on back on the gridiron, now that we got the business out the way, who are a couple of the teams that you feel are sleepers that we should be paying attention to this season in college football? Well, I thought the top 10 looked pretty good across both polls. I think we had the same top 10, maybe a little bit different order. But, you know, when you get outside that five, of the five that's everybody's picking to go to the playoff, I think Iowa State's got a unique opportunity with what they've got coming back. I'm really watching North Carolina's opener closely against Virginia Tech because that's one that, you know, if the Tar Heels win that, uh, they could duke it out with Miami for the Coastal and maybe go play Clemson for an ACC championship. I love what Cincinnati's built with Luke Fickle. I think, you know, the recruiting, the quarterback, the experience on both sides, an NFL corner on the other side, and uh, um, Sauce Gardner, um, they're going to be good. So outside of the top 10, it's tough. I mean, outside of maybe an Oregon, an LSU, um, somebody that's going to need things to line up right, the, 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 playoff, the potential for like an outside sleeper playoff team is pretty thin. And when I look at this USC team, obviously there's a lot of anticipation that they're predicted to win the Pac-12 South and ultimately face Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. But I'm looking at specifically Drake London. I'm looking at this young man. I think he's dynamic. I think he can flat out play. He can fly across the field. What are your level of expectations for Drake London this season in the Pac-12? He could have a big year. I mean, USC, for and you're closer to it, so you probably know this. I think that they've kind of steadied the recruiting there. You know, it's a big year for him. It's a big year for Foreman, who they were able to reel in. It's a big year for Keaton Slovis. I mean, whenever USC has that big, big-time NFL quarterback, they're expected to do well. I picked them to win the Pac-12, uh, despite a, an offensive line that's really going to have to deliver so he has time to get to those playmakers. And I think it could be USC's turn. I go back to last year, and they were undefeated going into the Pac-12 championship game, and I think they were ranked – 15 or 16 in the playoff rankings. I couldn't believe it. So this is definitely a chance for an attention getting year for USC, for Oregon, for uh, those two schools to try to get the Pac-12 back in the playoff. When you look at UCLA, obviously a lot of, a few people really believe that this could be Chip Kelly's last season. If he doesn't get it done of some, in some way, shape or form, do you believe Chip Kelly is completely on the hot seat and he'll be done after this season? If he doesn't turn this, this program around. Well, I mean, we're going to see him right out of the gate in week zero against Hawaii, and that's a big game. And I think uh, I think they'll win that one. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a big year for him, a quarterback that came in highly recruited, was supposed to get that Chip Kelly offense going, which 
it, it has in spots, but you know, they're going to have to show progress on the field. That's more than just maybe a bowl game. They, they really have to compete for a show. They can compete for a Pac-12 South championship. Not going to be easy with USC, not going to be easy with Utah, not going to be easy with Arizona state who, despite an off season scandal of sorts I, on the field, they look good. I think they, they profile pretty well to me. So yeah, it's a, if they have a rough year, UCLA is going to have to ask themselves that question as we get into the next stage of the playoff era, if Chip Kelly's the right coach for them. Lastly, uh, on Bill Bender's radar, who are the two players that we should be paying attention to throughout the season? Oh, I really like Bajan Robinson at Texas. I know a lot of people, other people are high on him, but whenever I see a running back that can average 8.2 yards per carry, at, you know, even in a limited rule, I think he's going to have a monster season for Texas. Um, you know, I'm not, if you were looking for a Heisman sleeper, he might be that guy for me. And then, um, you know, after that, I mean, I, I'd go up to Big Ten country. I mean, Penn State's a team that's going to have a, have a big year. Jahan Dotson's one of those receivers that, you know, there's a lot of good receivers in the Big Ten. Garrett Wilson, David Bell, Chris Olave, Ty Freifogel. And he's a guy that, you know, we've selected as an SN All-American. And, you know, can Penn State get back on track? And if so, it's going to come down to that receiving core. All right. Well, those are two two players we're definitely going to be looking at. Definitely going to have you back throughout the season to assess what's been going on uh, as the season continues to progress. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, Bill. Really appreciate you. And please let everyone know where they can continue to follow you and keep up with you on social media. Yeah, I'm at Bill Bender 92. I'm excited. I mean, yeah, we'll definitely have to do this a couple more times during the year. Um, you know, you can see all of our work at SportingNews.com. We have a really excited staff that's ready to go. And you know, week zero is here and we're going to get to it. We all yeah, good? definitely. Thank you so much for, t for coming on, Bill. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. Hey, when's this going up? Uh, this is going to go up tomorrow. Cool. Just all, just make sure to tag me. I'll share it and everything. Oh, Let's do this absolutely. Soon, man. All right. Absolutely. Care, Thank man. you so much, man. You too. You too. All right. The one and only Bill Bender. Thank you uh, so much for coming on board. Really appreciate it. Can't wait for the college football season to pop off. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. Coming up on the other side of the break, we'll get into the life and legacy of the late, great Kobe Bryant, as well as the morning brunch. And is a music legend walking away for good? We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This sure is Sirius going. XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. 
But you I'm see why it's a bad though. idea to do that? I didn't Bro. cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. And then you oh, give me that puppy look. Back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good, good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> You, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn. And come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. you, you got to take those losses. you got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, con terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. All right, everybody, welcome back to the final segment of TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. Now, as I said before, it is Mamba Day, and I'm sure by the time this podcast, it will be past Mamba Day. But nevertheless, we will not. I would not be able to go past this show without giving props and giving honor and recognizing the legend, and the icon that is the late, great Kobe Bryant. Now, 824 every year has been known as Mamba Day. We celebrate the life of Kobe Bryant, who was tragically taken from us in a helicopter crash along with his, his daughter and seven other uh, passengers back in 2020. Um, Kobe Bryant is just one of those iconic figures. I mean, he just transcended not only nationwide, but worldwide. He was global. Say what you want, he was global. He was big. He had more fans. And this, again, I say this all the time. Statistically, you can argue me down, but statistically is the truth. He had more fans than Michael Jordan and LeBron James because he was global, because he was the guy in China. He was bigger than Yao Ming in China. But the one thing about Kobe Bryant, obviously the five rings, time that the three rings with Shaq, the two without Shaq, the Olympic gold medals, the all-star appearances, the 81-point game. The man was a mogul. The man won an Oscar. Again, LeBron and Michael Jordan have not done that. I'm not, and I'm not throwing shade to those two because I believe Michael Jordan is the GOAT. I believe LeBron is great. I think he will go down probably the number two all-time scorer in NBA history as far as LeBron James is concerned. But Kobe Bryant is Kobe being Bryant. Somebody that LeBron James looked up to and many others, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Giannis. A lot of those guys, Kevin Durant, a lot of those guys looked up to Kobe. 
Anthony Davis talked about how Kobe took him under his wing when they won the Olympic team. A lot of those guys looked at there was that that was their Michael Jordan. How Kobe looked up to Michael, and so many other players looked up to Michael, like Allen Iverson. Kobe was that to that generation. Devin Booker, that was that to that generation. The man won an Oscar, had his own film company, did podcasts for children, was a huge soccer fan. And Kobe Bryant was beloved in the city of Los Angeles as far as what he did in various communities and what he was doing and attempts to do with the Mamba Academy. One of the things he was doing was coaching his daughter's team, who they happened to be on the way to a tournament that tragic day. And Kobe always demanded excellence. Kobe had the Mamba mentality before it was popularized. The Mamba mentality, we all know about Air Jordan, you know, Jordan brand. Now, the Mamba mentality. Even some WNBA players, you look at Diana Taurasi, Sabrina Iniscu from New York Liberty, Jewel Lloyd, Asia Wilson, <clears throat> Candace Parker. You know, all had all talked about having the Mamba mentality. We all talk about it, even us in the media talk about having, hey, you got to push through it. You got to get through it. Mamba mentality. We heard Raiders quarterback Derek Carr talk about the Mamba mentality. So Kobe left an influence and left a legacy that would never, ever be forgotten. I know a lot of commentators want to skip over him and talk about the comparisons from Michael Jordan to LeBron James, but how the hell can you have a legitimate argument, whether you're Shannon Sharp or whoever it is, and not mention the late great Kobe Bryant? I'm not talking about just because he was with Shaq. And a lot of you Kobe haters like to mention only, oh, you know, he was with Shaq. Yeah, we know he was with Shaq. But let's also mention the years after that when he won two NBA final champion, two NBA championships and went to three NBA finals. Let's not talk, but nobody wants to talk about that. Rarely do I hear people talk about the 81-point game, which I have yet to see anybody get close to having an 81-point game. So he's in the Will, he's in the Will Chamberlain category. And there probably may be another 50 years before we see somebody break Kobe Bryant's record of 81 points. 60 points in his final game ever as an NBA player. So, yes, he's on the Mount Rushmore of NBA players. Absolutely. And it, to me, it puzzles me how you can have a legitimate conversation about who's the greatest and you skip over Kobe like he don't even exist because he's no longer with us on Who's the greatest, Biggie, Jay-Z, or Nas? Modern day, you can say, who's the greatest, Cole, Drake, or Kendrick? Who's the greatest, Michael, LeBron, or Kobe? Take your pick. But Kobe Bryant had a legacy that was built. And Kobe Bryant is a guy that he demanded excellence out of everybody. He gave it his all. He left it all on the floor. This is the same dude that said, I'd rather hang banners than have friends. Banners last forever. Friends come and go. And he meant every word of it. It wasn't just a cool cliche saying. He meant every word of it. And it resonates to all of us. He was a special guy. The man had both jersey numbers retired by the Lakers. Hall of Fame. Let me put some respect, some more respect on Kobe's name. Hall of Fame basketball player Kobe Bryant. 
He influenced, I mean, you heard Kevin Garnett speak about him. You heard Tim Duncan speak about him. Tamika Ketchik spoke about him. Kobe Bryant was that influential. That's why I, it, it puzzles me when people try to just leap over him like he meant nothing, like he was, like he never even existed. If if somebody heard a debate about a GOAT debate and all you heard was LeBron and, and Michael Jordan, you wouldn't think those were the only two that ever existed in, in basketball time. Because they, they, people rarely mention Kobe Bryant. And that to me is tragic. Anyway, I had enough. I'm ready to eat. I worked up an appetite. I got to bring in my man once again. Big brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner, his government name. <laughs> Engineer extraordinaire. Producer, what's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, you know, everything's good, man. Not as good as you. <clears throat> Must have lost my invite this weekend. But, yo, it was all good. I'm player hating oh, on you, man. This guy, <laughs> this guy over here, up here, breaking uh, bread and breaking bread with insiders and whatnot. So, well, yeah. you know, man, we, we all find our way to find out information, even if it's through leisure, per se. But, nah, man, it was a good weekend. It looks like you, you were out there, man. You were active this weekend, brother. And it looked like you man. had a really good time, man. You know, we love was, what we do. So it looked like you were having fun and being productive. Man, I was everywhere like air. Yeah, you were. Everywhere. Hobnobbing. That's what I'm trying to be. Even with people that um, I associate with, Stephen A. Smith. Nah, we, we talked this morning. We talked this morning. I'm going to name drop on your show. I, wow. wished him, I wished him luck on Kimmel this morning. It was a very short phone call. He was busy. <laughs> well, there you go. Almost as busy as you. There you go. Hey, Amen. <laughs> not, a, not, a, not, a, not a left of the decimal point. Got to connect. Got to catch up. <laughs> For real, right? <laughs> left of the decimal point. Got to catch up. But, but uh, you ready to eat, man? Yeah, man. I'm starving. Let's get to it. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> the great Kendrick Lamar in a letter via social media revealed that he's preparing his final project for TDE. Uh, will he continue to do music after, or do you think he's done with the music business? Oh, good question. I definitely know, well, we definitely know this will be his final album with TDE. Sure. I don't know his contra- I don't know his contractual obligations or situations. Um, I don't know if he can he if he's if he's just leaving the label to pursue maybe another deal with his own label or something to that degree. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but for him to pin it this way and so long, and I, I, we were waiting on, we were seeing how long it was going to take for him to actually drop a project because we saw Drake drop his, you know, not certified lover boy as of yet, but I mean that, that mini project he did. Yeah. Then we saw J. Cole drop his project. So we're like, okay, uh, Paige and Kendrick, <laughs> your, stage is, your stage is, where, is ready for you. And so now this is dropped. And then Top Dog, I, first of all, Respect out the top dog for just being the, the the great human being that he is and a great executive that he is because he was class personified. He said, "Look, I support Kendrick basically in any way. Yeah. He started with you know Kendrick's one of the guys we started with, so we'll support him in any way we can. But TDE's going to continue to do what we need to do to find talent and, and, and disseminate talent to the masses, and that's what they've been doing ever since. You know, I think the first two guys I heard about on TDE was J Rock and, and Kendrick. Yep. And he was K Dot back then. K Dot, yep. Uh, and then you build with, you know, Absol, Schoolboy Q, Isaiah Rashad, who just dropped the project, mm-hmm. Reason, who I just interviewed not too long yep. ago, SZA, uh, Sir, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, the list goes on. 
um, the producer, you know, Soundwave, uh, Tay Beast, you know, Willie mm-hmm. B. Um, you know, shout out to Dave Free and Punch. You know, they got a great group of people over at TDE, man. Musa, they got a great group of, uh, of people over there at TDE, man. So I'm not surprised. Um, I think TDE is probably one of the, the, the really most underrated labels. And I, what I mean by underrated is the fact that they didn't truly get the respect that I felt like they deserved from day one. I agree. Because Top, set, had a, Top had a vision, and he executed that vision to the T. And he was, you know, Top stayed out. Top was not trying to be like a Suge Knight or or, or a Puffy, you know, Puff, a Puff Daddy. Right. He played his position. He's like, look, I'm the executive. The artists are there to shine. I'm there to make sure everything happens. And he did just that. I mean, you didn't even know who Top was until you start seeing him at Laker games. If you didn't know who yeah. TDE was about, <laughs> you didn't know this Top until you start seeing him on the court side of Laker games. Yep. He, very low-key individual. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knew who he was. And that's right. what I respected about Top is that he knew exactly who he was. He wasn't trying to be more than what he what he was. And, you know, props to him, man. He, he created, I mean, he had what? Kendrick has, what, 13 Grammys? Yeah. J-Rock is a Grammy Award winner. Yep. Uh, I believe Schoolboy Q got nominated for a couple of Grammys. Mm-hmm. I think SZA was out there with some awards. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Sir, you know, I, I mean, the list goes on. So, and then working with Dr. Dre yeah. and having that connection, I mean, that's major. You know, that that's that's major. So Top is, has really built something from the ground up, man, and it's flourished. And so I, I just have nothing but admiration and respect for him. You know, I, re- I tell people all the time, I interviewed Kendrick when he had just, right when he was about to drop Section 80. Which is and a no- great project, by the way. Very it was underrated. funny. We, we were on a carpet at the NFL Rookies events. I think it was, I forgot the year, but mm-hmm. I still have it on my YouTube channel. And no, and people, and, it was, and the lady, I remember the lady saying, you want to talk to him? I said, yeah, because I knew who Kendrick was, because I followed him. Right. I followed him and J-Rock, because um, uh, Kendrick and J-Rock, they rapped over these East Coast beats. It was like a mixtape. That was mm-hmm. the first time I, I I got a hold of who they were. So anyway, long and short, talked to Kendrick. Real cool dude. Real, you know, kind spirit. Man, very, focused, yeah. very focused. Very um, focused. And he was a good, he just all, all had a good all-around personality. And I still think he does, but I'm saying back then. Yeah, of course. Um, and I said, this kid is going to win. Um, yeah. Somehow, somewhere, this kid is going to win. <laughs> Well, show enough. Yeah, on top of the world. the Kendrick Lamar. As long as he doesn't end up playing the flute at gas stations like Andre 3000, I think we'd be all right, man. <sighs> and you know what? The thing, the thing that with hurts my stuff, heart, too. <laughs> but you know what? He loves what he's doing. Absolutely. And as long as he loves what he's doing, three stacks. I mean, three stacks, we know three stacks can drop a 16 at any time. Anytime like he wants. And, and, and he'll make a couple million off it off 16 bars. No doubt about it. If he jumps on the big boy, you know, the sleepover project and drops a 16. Can we get an outcast album like that again, please? You know. I keep I keep I keep <laughs> oh thinking there might be one in the works. I'm praying to God. Man, I man, I will buy I will buy it by it. Like I'll buy copies, physical copies. I just man, I want to see that again. I do. But yeah, I mean three stacks, but he's he's having fun. He, he is. You know, he's it, living his life. I mean, his son is in college, yeah. you know, seven is in college. Yeah. For what I understand, doing really well. So and, and, and Kendrick, he's, he's done his job. Yeah, and Kendrick's just you know right riding bikes and living his life and enjoying raising the fruit a family of his with his yeah. wife. Yep, yeah. which you know it's admirable. But yo, Kendrick, drop that thing, man. We're ready for you, dog. 
Real talk. Been ready. Been ready. Moving on, man. I want to delay the the the, the brunch here. Uh, the Pac-12, Big Ten, and Atlantic Coast conferences are nearing an agreement to join forces to map the future of college sports. And an announcement could come as early as next week, according to the L.A. Times. Do you see that happening? And if so, how soon? I can definitely see it happening because especially what happens on the cusp, on the heels of rather the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners going to the SEC, which makes it a super conference. Right. And I don't, and I don't think Texas and Oklahoma are going to last to 2025. I think they may have another year or two before they just say, you know, we're just going to buy our, buy our way out of that yeah. contract and get to the SEC as quickly as possible. And I think that it, it brings better competition to the SEC. I think it's a win-win for both schools, you know, for the two schools and the, and the conference as far as the SEC is concerned, because I think when it comes to recruiting visibility, being able to compete against the Alabamas and the Floridas and the Georgias uh, and the LSUs of the world in that conference, I think it just brings a lot of visibility. Um, when you look at the Pac-12, when you look at the ACC, when you look at the Big 10 yeah, they're going to have to somehow, some way join some type of force, uh, make some type of alliance when it comes to that because they're going to have to compete with the SEC because the SEC is still an up top dog conference. And so – the Pac-12 is going to have to be able to do that in a sense where, hey, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, they got to figure it out. Where they're going to schedule home and home games? Where they're going to add? They're going to form this super conference that they think they form like Voltron. Mm. Whatever they got to do to keep college football alive, because you don't want it to be a Power Three conference or a Power Two conference. Right. You do want the conferences to survive. But in order for them to survive, they've got to be able to to have enough meat on the bone to be able to get through, as they say, the tough winter. Um, if not, they're going to be in a world of hurt. And uh, there may be a one or two conferences that survive out of it, maybe the Big Ten, possibly the ACC because they're on the East Coast. But the Pac-12 could be left out in the cold because they don't have enough meat on the bone to be able to survive and be able to, to make enough noise where people pay attention. And maybe that calls for the Pac-12. They do link up with the Big Ten and ACC to move their games a little bit earlier so the nation can start seeing more games. And that's always been my biggest goal oh, yeah. no is the doubt. fact that the Pac-12 has two late games as far as making it a 7 o'clock, 7.30 game on the, on the West Coast and it's 10 o'clock, 10.30 on the East. Nobody's going to watch that on a Saturday night. Most of the East Coast writers are done. Yeah. Most people are out and about anyway. They're not paying attention unless they're in a bar or a restaurant and the game is just happening to be on. Right. But other than that, Pretty much past six six thirty, nobody's paying attention to it. So if I'm the Pac-12, yeah, I jump in on this, especially just to get more notoriety and more eyeballs on my games when it comes to the Midwest and the East Coast, because at least I have I can negotiate earlier times, and they can get possibly a better deal for the Pac-12 network because now you have, you know, you have a connection with the Big Ten and the ACC networks. So it all could work out monetarily as well as athletically. So. It remains to be seen, but I think it could happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Nick, on all points. All righty. Thank you so much. The one and only Jake, Brick Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner, his government name. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir, for coming on. I appreciate it. Really quick before we get on out of here, I got to do my milk carton all-star of the week. Happens to be Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy. He's the first head coach to receive this award. So congratulations to him because he has named Andy Dalton as his week one starter which is completely illogical. It's stupid. It's dumb. When you have 
a rookie of his caliber that's on your team. You know what I mean? Like, I know he took a vicious hit over the weekend against the Buffalo Bills, but Justin Fields is the truth. And I understand your O-line is suspect and shakier than the California earthquake. And he's and yes, Justin Fields is going to be running for his life all season long. So whether it's week one or week eight, he's going to be running for his life all season long. But at least you got some, you give the fans some hope, and at least you give him some reps where he can learn. But Andy Dalton is not it. Andy Dalton is garbage. Yeah, I said it. He's garbage. So congratulations, Matt Natty, because you're going to be unemployed and your key card is no longer going to work. Maybe before the season ends, if not when the season ends, because he won't be back, especially if you start Andy Dalton for the next several weeks. Congrats on that. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145, presented by Nightcast Media. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. That's iHeartRadio. That is SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Nick Hamilton LA. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Nick Hamilton 213. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will be gone for a good while to recharge and regroup. I will see y'all after the Labor Day holiday. Thank you so much. Talk to y'all soon. Be safe. Stay sharp. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.